0: Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I'm Aaron Schweitzer, your solo host today, while co-hostess Laurel Bronze is on vacation. Uh, This podcast is powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. We are the fastest growing podcast in Central Oregon. Thank you. And a special shout out today to Deschutes Brewery. They gave us the Squeezy Rider as some promotional beers for listeners. This is only available in the tasting room and I did enjoy it over the holidays, Uh, and I can now verify that uh, very good brew. So thanks again to Deschutes Brewery. Um, We are switching things up today for the holidays, and uh, editor Nicole Vulcan is joining us on the podcast. Nicole? Hey, Uh, hey. And we're going to talk about our year in review. Nicole spent a lot of time this week uh, pulling together a top 10 and look back at 2020. And so we did in our editorial section, kind of a review of the uh, content we found most pressing over the past 20 years to editorialize on. And then also the stories, uh, top 10 stories that Nicole pulled together for the paper. So
1: just for 2020, not the last 20 years. We did do that another time, which was a lot of fun.
0: Right. For the anniversary, which we're in 23, two years from now, we'll, uh, we'll do it again for 25. But um, So, Nicole, maybe just, uh, I, I thought your editor's note uh, for the intro to this issue was really good. Maybe talk a little bit about what you felt as you were pulling this together for 2020.
1: Well, I think, you know, like all of us, we are ready to see this year go behind us. We um, want to just get past it and be done with it. Um, but, you know, there's something um, soothing about, you know, spending a little bit t- of time looking back. I think we're all in, still just in the middle of this feeling of, you know, we're just in it, right? We're in we're in the middle of the pandemic, some of the, you know, while cases are starting to go down, it's still, a, you know, a difficult time. Um, and, you know, we're just dealing day to day. But looking back at that time um, just made me realize how much we've done this year and, um, and how much, um, you know, we've been able to shine a light on some of this, the, the good work our community has done and some of the work, um, the progress that our community has made. Um, and so the, the top 10 stories really reflect that. Um, just showing you know what our readers were most interested in and um, yeah what that progress looked like.
0: I thought it was pretty uh, interesting to me how and I hope this isn't just my bad memory or me aging out, but um, how quickly some of this can fade away. I mean going back through and and you know looking back to March and it's super interesting to read, you know, pandemic is identified or coronavirus identified in Deschutes County when uh, at the time we really didn't know what that meant or or how deep we're going to go in. But the one that really struck me was the fires because, you know, in the course of of talking and thinking about the pandemic each week and what is the opening dates and all this other stuff, how quickly that is, has faded to the back and, um over the Thanksgiving holidays, we traveled to the coast and I was really struck by how much of an impact that fire had on those communities. As you know, we've been quarantined. We haven't had a chance to see it with our own eyes. I think news has been pretty limited, but um, that's just one of the things that struck me initially.
1: For sure, that one, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I'm revealing too much for those who have not read, but that was our number one story of the year. Most viewed story of the year was kind of a breaking news story about just, you know, the headline was Oregon is burning and the fires are 0% contained. Um, You know, people wanted to read that. That That was happening in real time. I remember talking to people in the newsroom. I happened to be working in the newsroom that day and just saying, hey, you guys, this is really, really bad. This is really bad. Oh my gosh, this is so bad. And just you know, listening to this press conference and just hearing um, you know, the severity of the situation, it was really scary and, um, and really intense. And you know, here in Central Oregon, I think it's been easy for us to re- forget because we still have our beautiful forests you know, in close right. proximity. We, um, we were fortunate enough not to lose any Central Oregon cities Um, but like you said, I mean, it's right there for so many people, um, last week, which is not part of our top 10, but last week we did a story, um, talking about how some local restaurants who themselves are really, you know, struggling are still out there feeding people who are still housed in Redmond, um, living at, um, one of the hotels there, the fire evacuees. So for them, it's really, you know, this, this problem hasn't just, um, faded away into headline- obscurity um so that's you know um that was a reminder for me too that wow this was a huge story and wow it was only three months ago and hey I forgot about it for a second
0: right right. I thought the other one uh and and I will just we'll just keep throwing spoilers out for people who haven't read (laughs) the issue but uh the things are getting weird section because I also remember when that one came and just how strange and and at the time, I don't think, uh, I mean, I think cognitively, we're all aware like, oh, people are under pressure. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of strain of being quarantined. Um, I think it's a given now. We don't quite uh, jump as much when we hear crazy stuff or, or people who lose it in a, in a grocery store because they've... Um, because they've just been so pent up and so with so much stress and whatever else is going on in their life. But I remember when that things are getting weird story hit and we were talking about the um, woman who took the, the guy who took the Uber, uh, maybe you can elaborate on, on what that story was.
1: Yeah. So this was a story that was from March 22nd, um, really early in the pandemic, as we all know, Um, And just weird things were happening. So, and all these different things happened in one day, or I found out about them in one day. And I just thought, man, this is just, you know, a combination of all these things. Let's write about it as kind of an aggregate thing of, you know, here's just, here's what people are, are facing in the face of this acute problem. At the time, we were like, this is a, You know, it's just happening now, Um, you know, we're all getting hit with all these changes and everything. And that was one way that people were affected. Now we have the chronic um, issues that are coming out, which is a whole other story. But okay, so the the headline was, things are getting weird. An attack on a Bend Uber driver, a missing Arizona snowmobiler, and an explosion near Bend. Is this what isolation does to us? Cause that's what I wondered. It's just like, man, it's only been not very long into this, into this thing. Now we know. Um, and this handful of seemingly unrelated incidents kind of showed that, that connecting thread of how everyone was reacting.
0: Well, it was crazy story that the Uber driver or, or the Uber passenger who was seemed to be some, uh, Person fifty-two year old professional, yeah, intoxicated, just kind of lost his mind, attacked the driver. We, I mean, that may happen in cities, but it certainly doesn't happen in little old Bend, Oregon, very much. And it did seem to indicate that uh, people were people were getting tense.
1: Yeah, definitely. That and you, yeah, you you basically you know you you hit the high points. Um, someone in a you know well-off neighborhood taking a ride home after being, you know, out wherever they were, um, and seemingly looked like they were under a lot of stress, you know,
0: um, well, and, and we kind of talked about it when the teacher down in downtown Ben had that viral moment where, um, from her car, she started, uh, commu- you know, yelling at the protester, the anti-mask protesters, in you know, one of those masks versus anti-mask things, and, um, You know, no one's, as this woman got blown up uh, on social media and thrown across the country, I mean, uh, a lot of conservative uh, media outlets were picking her up. I did think by now we've come, uh, we have become a little more callous. This happened, what, a couple of weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And and how I think in our conversations, you've kind of brought it back to me that, these people are under a lot of pressure. Like this is really someone who needs help. It's not somebody you want to throw up as like, Oh, look, someone who's lost their mind or from a political perspective, when really it just, for me, it meant you need to extend some compassion to these people right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think that's true for everybody, which is an interesting point. You know, it's just an interesting position to be in as a, as a journalist. And then as a newspaper, because you know we 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 want to tell those stories that are that everyone's talking about you know we start some of our editorial meetings with hey what's the thing that everyone's talking about right now that's the thing that kind of guides what, what we're going to do in our weekly paper which you know comes out sometimes days after these things happen um, and so but at the same time you don't want to you know you're that's a person who's who, who's been trying to teach kids online who has probably likely has all the stresses and concerns that all the rest of us have. And now they see this thing that, um, represents, um, you know, something that represents the other side of thinking of from what they, they are, they are thinking and they lose it. And can, I mean, can you, <laughs> right. you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. That was, that was, that was pretty extreme, but yeah. Can you blame them? You know, can you really blame this person for, for yeah, and I the think, moment? Yeah.
0: right. And I think people just, uh, for me, it was a wake up call because you, you are seeing more of that. I think, uh, unfortunately, as this thing continues, um, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of how g- good it's going to be in April, May, June, July, um, we're going to see more of it. And I think it is important to remember like, this isn't really a spectacle as much as it's somebody's just reached the end of their rope with this, with this issue. So,
1: right. And, you know, I mean, that's while over this last year, we have become more of a news outlet that gets things out before the weekly paper cycle. Um, having that time to put out a paper weekly does give us a chance to think about things a little more and say, okay, How, you know, what is the, what is the next thing? What, okay, we, we, we talked about this breaking news situation, not, not the woman on the street yelling at the protesters, but anything else that you could think of. Okay. There's a breaking news situation. Our paper comes out a few days later. We've had a little time to digest it and say, okay, what's next. And, um, and that's been, that's been good (laughs) in the, in this kind of situation where, you know, um, It kind of takes the temperature down a little bit on some of that stuff and it's not just a spectacle. We really want to talk about what does it mean for people to experience something like that. What does it mean for our community to have people who are feeling the way that woman felt, the way those protesters felt, you know. Those are all community members who have voices and feelings and um, and opinions. And um, of course, in this time, this now very close to post-Trump era, that's a big conversation is like how do we, how do we recognize each other's humanity? How do we keep each other, you know, in mind and not just say, okay, nope, not, I'm not gonna, you know, entertain that person's point of view.
0: Let's talk about another one that I, I thought was really interesting. I was surprised at the date for it, um, but the um, article, Bend is Awesome, Don't Come Here, which, which was our number seven on March 28th. Um, you know, tourism is one of those things that this community struggles with on a, a monthly basis, it seems, and uh, you know, it's one of those things that's it's a boom for the economy. People wonder about its effect on the culture. Um, I think we've had a really good opportunity during this quarantine to see what the value of tourism and what kind of community we want to be towards tourists, but maybe talk a little bit about that story.
1: Yeah, so you're right. Like March 28th, the Bend um, city manager um, released an order that basically discouraged tourist travel. And so looking back at that on March 28th, I think a vast majority of Bendites, minus, perhaps minus tourism industry people, thought, "Oh yeah, that's the right thing to do." Um, but in there, and it, you know, right in the first paragraph, we talk about, well, it really didn't have any teeth, right? There was no, there was no violation or no um, fines for violations, um, no arrest, nothing like that really would happen. Besides, just, hey, please don't come. Um, And subsequently, um, the community has really come out with a lot of opinions about whether, A, whether that was, whether they should have done that at all. On the other side of the spectrum, maybe whether they should have, you know, put fines into it, you know, had some enforcement. This was a time when in, (laughs) were juxtaposed against a time when in Italy, you had mayors going onto YouTube and badgering and berating their people who lived there to stay home you know calling people out it was really really a different thing that, what, than what we were doing um, so just an interesting juxtaposition of that um, compared to what we ended up doing and um, as and you know as we've heard from a lot of readers people had a lot of opinions had a lot of opinions about that I think we had a fairly robust tourist summer um, so you kind of have to wonder what what would have looked different if it would have you know there would have been a more definitive um, thing going on there either no 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 request or a very definitive order with fines involved.
0: Yeah, the the numbers I've seen, and and my apologies to the tourism bureau if I'm getting this wrong, but. During the course of the summer, they uh, I think in the city, we were down 10%. I think in the county, it was uh, pretty close to a normal normal year. And Mm -hmm. then into the fall, it continued. The the thing that struck me was that um, for being that significant of a number of people here, it was still pretty quiet. I mean, our offices sit on Bond Street. Um, Obviously, I take a very uh, non-scientific approach to how the community is doing, because we can watch how traffic is going. And in in any year, bond streets, one of the busiest city streets in the city. And, um, even throughout the, throughout the course of the summer, it was, it was pretty slow, but those Mm -hmm. people were here and it make, it, it does make you realize how much of an impact Airbnb has had on the community where, you know, those people are coming, they're staying in homes. Um, and it and it really is something where I think people were behaving, whether you wanted them here or not. I didn't see a lot of incidences of tourists being the ones that were being shouted out. It was usually some some businesses that were going sideways with not adhering to regulations or social gatherings. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting to me to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of wonder... I know they talk, the the main marker about tourism that we look at is rooms occupied, the number of rooms occupied, and that includes Airbnbs, any short-term rental. Um, Sure, those were 85% occupancy, but did those people go on a tour? Did they go, you know, did they go hang out at the brewery like they would have? Did they, um, you know, did they, I don't know what else you can buy. Um, Those are the two things that I'm thinking of the most. Um, Cycle pub.
0: We didn't That's see right.
1: that. You know, when we did see a cycle pub pass by the office, it was a pretty significant event.
0: Right, right.
1: Normally we're like, oh, here they come again.
0: Here they come <laughs> right, again. Right, right, Wait, right. There's two of them. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I also think the thing about tourism that I'm, I'm you know, personally fascinated by, and I think um, will be something for 2021 is tourists are always The other. They're always somebody, they're always branded as something else. We want to go to communities, you know, we want to go do our vacation, and when we go there, we're like, oh, look, we're living like locals or we're really fitting in. And, (laughs) uh, but people who come here, they're not the same, they're different. And, you know, before I think legislatively, we've taken an approach that they are somewhat different to us. And I just think now, especially when you see these businesses that are hurting, they rely on these tourists. I wonder if there isn't going to be a little bit more compassion or even celebration that these folks are like our community, that they're coming here, that they they are spending their dollars, that they are able to do the cycle pub, God forbid. And, um, and yeah, so that maybe there'll be a change in tone regarding how we react to those folks. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would speculate for some people, but for others that this has only exacerbated their their ire against others, the other because we're in this position where it's like, I someone comes near me in the grocery store, and I don't even think about it. But I feel I I instantly balk, you know, and so that extrapolates out and out into our community. There's a, there was an incident, an unfortunate incident that I heard about this week of um, a Jewish man having come in, out to his car, California plates here in Bend, and, um, and swastikas on the car. Um, and they couldn't have known that this person was Jewish, but it was a really triggering event for him. Um, and we're going to report upon this um, this week.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's the thing. I wonder is what, where, what is going to be the trend from this? I mean, some of that I think is is political. I mean, I, I, the, uh, in the whole state, the area of the state that's hurting the most is the coast. And we went for Thanksgiving over to the coast, stayed in an Airbnb with close family, and we took takeout from one of the one of the restaurants over there. And the woman was literally crying when we came to get the food because their holiday season due to the freeze had been completely eliminated and it just doesn't feel to me like Oregon ought to be about Central Oregon and that you know we should be thinking about it the larger impacts. I mean, we don't even have to keep it at Oregon, but at least it's a start to think about the people on the coast who are like really hurting, like tourism impacted communities in the state are the ones getting hit at heart hit hardest. And we did okay, you know, through this thing, but the coast didn't. And I think it's something for people to keep in mind when they're thinking about whether they want to like welcome people here or not. Yeah. And if they're getting swastikas stuck on their car, I mean, what does that mean? You know, like it's it's just an ugly, ugly face.
1: Yeah, pretty terrible. Um yeah, just not the kind of thing you want to to have a visitor go back and tell their friends about about Central Oregon.
0: Another story that I think um, is certainly going to continue into 2021, but but we saw it in, in every podcast. I think I've made fun of the term Zoom Town. yeah. Uh, and here we are again talking about Zoom Town. Uh, but that bubble that won't burst, which we reported on in the fall, mm-hmm. it's been a crazy uh, thing to watch as, as in the middle of an economic um, problem like this. We've seen these kind of home prices jumping in this lack of inventory maybe talk a little bit about that story
1: yeah so that was you know i mean since we have our real estate column every week we've been keeping up on that um little by little all the time um but you know the story is <laughs> home prices have gone up and um the real the real estate agent that we talked to said um, he's never seen anything like this. People are panic buying. They're trying to buy sight unseen. Um, they're just coming out of the woodwork. Um, it's that that phenomenon of, you know, people really are feeling trapped in cities and a place like Bend that is continually on the on top 10s and top 20s for one of the most desirable places, the most um, desirable um. Multi-sport town was the one from Outside Magazine most recently. Outside Magazine this week, you know, named um, Meisner Nordic one of the best cross-country ski areas in the town. So they, you know, we're on people's radar. So when they think I need to get out of the city, of course, they're going to say, oh, yeah, that place Bend that I went that was sunny and awesome and all those things to do. That sounds good. Oh, the real estate prices are half what I what I pay in the city boom. Meanwhile, people, you know, who, <laughs> who live here and work here and, and earn wages that that reflect the local economy, it really causes them to, you know, to suffer. Um, so one of you know, it's interesting in Bend. It's been a phenomenon in Bend, um, but also looking at some of the other cities um, that um, are in the surrounding area. Redmond, for example, um, you know, in locals' minds, is still was still an affordable place to live. Now you're seeing prices in Redmond that um, that rivaled what Bend had just a, a couple of years ago, um, and so you know, uh, the secret's ben, out.
0: Yeah, Redmond is. A, a constant source of conversation on this podcast as listeners will know. And, and uh, I'm just a huge fan of, of how they're growing and what they're doing there, but it's true. I mean, you, um, it's that fine balance. You see a lot of the cultural and, and quality of life things coming up in Redmond. I mean, for someone, for people like myself who've lived here for quite a while, you know, Redmond was just a drive-through. You know, you went to, you went to Smith Rock you had a great time. You came back to Bend, um, and it just wasn't when someplace you went. And now they've got plenty of great restaurants and and uh, good breweries and things that you want to go visit, even if you're living here. And with it has come, I, I don't know what their. I think their housing prices have been have had a comparable increase. I know we were fifteen percent increase here in Bend. I think they were very similar.
1: Yeah, definitely. Having just bought a house myself and wondering if at that time during the beginning of the pandemic, wondering whether I would be able to make it into the market. um, I was looking at Redmond and, you know, and keeping pretty close eye on the on the prices there. Um, And it's really kind of it was, you know, for someone buying on the lower end of the spectrum. um, It was interesting because you would see some houses that would be comparable price to bend um and then you'd see some that were way cheaper um so i think (laughs) it might be a case of you know some people are getting clued into the fact that they can ask they they can fetch that higher price some people still haven't haven't quite gotten there um and still are still thinking of trying to make it reasonable for people i i suspect
0: i think i believe we we haven't done a lot of coverage on the housing market and sisters and we don't talk about it a lot on this podcast, but I, they're, they're in the same boat. I think it's pushed out to Prineville. I've heard of people now looking at Pine as a place where they're going to do a lot of community commuting back and forth. It's, um, and this brings us to transportation, mm-hmm. you know, which if anybody knows that drive now from Redmond to Bend, uh, good on you if you're not making that drive, but, uh, 430, you know, if you're, it's starting to get very city like on that, on that drive, and there isn't really any, op- any option if you want to get up there.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned transportation because, so this list was populated, um, basically by looking at our web numbers and seeing what stories got the most traffic. Um, and. I think in a normal year, you would have seen a couple of the features that we did about transportation issues on this list. I mean, that is locally such an important issue, um, but it didn't even make the top 10 this year. Um, uh, we did mention it in our editorial that our our boot and slipper editorial that we gave this week, um, but um, yeah, for being such a hot button issue, didn't rate against real estate and uh, coronavirus and protests and right. all the others.
0: Let's talk about some of the editorial uh, top tens. Um, <laughs> Nicole, maybe jump off with our number one.
1: Um, so you want to talk about just the, the whole list? Of, yeah. For the boot and slipper one or for the, uh, for the news? Boot and slipper. OK. Well, so we didn't we didn't give them we didn't assign them exactly um, like a you know a number one. We sort of just toggled back and forth between wins and losses, boots and slippers. So anyone who's um, read the source for a, any um, long length of time might remember the boot and slipper, which was, uh, you know, uh, what do I want to call it? A literary device used. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout,
0: I got to give a shout out to Bruce Miller at this point, who uh, <laughs> initiated the boot slipper way back when, and uh, it was pretty fun to do boot slipper, I got to say, it was fun yeah. to come back, it gives you a lot of, uh, when you're writing these editorials, that format, if anybody knows editorial writing, it can be fairly restrictive, it's, it's pretty stifling in some senses, but you add up a boot and slipper in there, it makes a little more fun, I think it's a funner read too, I, I enjoyed doing it again.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we're bringing it back on occasion when we <laughs> right, feel right. like it, right? Um, but basically, it's if you know, politicians' topics that, um, that we, you know, politicians acting badly, they get the boot, favorable ones get the slipper. So each week, you know, back in the day, they used to give one or the other. So this week, or this year, I think we've done one where we mentioned of someone getting the boot, but now we brought it back for this year because there's so many things to talk about. So what we kicked it off with is a slipper for massive voter turnout. Um, This is no secret and no surprise that nationwide um, turnout was up. It was quite a heated election. in Oregon, that was the case as well. Um, only up by 11%, of course, um, we have to, you know, we should have probably thrown in a kudos to, um, to Motor Voter and to all the other um, mail-in voting initiatives that have been in our state. Motor Voter is newer, but, um, but mail-in voting has been around for decades. And, you know, we, we got a, a shout out from Stacey Abrams over in Georgia for um, when she was asked, Um, if she could design a a good voting system for her state what it would look like and she in one word just said Oregon Um, so you know um, that was that that just shows you um, how how well we have it here we have a a, currently we have a Republican Secretary of State um, and uh, I feel like that probably lended some um, some not credibility but maybe gave those in the state who who might have otherwise um, worried about voter fraud in our state, and we do have those folks still out there, um, but at least having some um, some balance in our statewide offices, um, in my mind, might have um, balanced that out for some people.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, having lived here for so long, it, it it was very interesting this year to kind of be woken up to the fact that there are these states across the country. If, if you don't have family living there and you don't visit them very often, all of a sudden they pop in the news for these, this antiquated standing in line at a school. When, when I grew up in Atlanta, uh, we had to do that. The first time I voted, I stood in the line for over an hour to get up to go behind the curtain and do that, what I consider a very old fashioned thing. And um, it was shocking to see those images rolling out in national news of some of these places where these, I mean, who would nowadays, I think, Oh my gosh, I would never stand in that line. Like I love democracy, but at, if I'm in the Atlanta heat for two hours or something now, cause it's gotten so much worse for a lot of these places, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. And not to, and then throw in the fact that people are leaving their homes, maybe some of them for one of the only times um, to go out in public that they have done since the pandemic, you know, that that's pretty huge to see to see people in spite of the odds coming out.
0: Yeah. How about the um, slipper, another slipper for the year we stopped saying Bend is so white?
1: Yeah, so okay, I'll just share a little anecdote here. Um, One of the first weeks that I came to Bend to start this job, um, someone in our editorial meeting, um, so our meeting, our story meetings, um, suggested, hey, why don't we look at why is Ben so white? And, um, and I thought, to, I just thought, okay, that, you know, that that's on its premise, maybe an interesting topic. But how about also we Realized that because I had looked at census numbers as part sure. of the job, I wanted to understand what the community looked like. Um, I knew that there was, you know, there, there were black and brown people here. Um, and so I felt like just saying that, re- repeating that phrase was just really um, perpetuating a stereotype that really wasn't going to benefit anyone, but perhaps the people who wanted to keep it that way. Um, and so I, I just sort of, you know, let that story idea go and simmer. And subsequently, we've done a lot of other stuff. However, this year has been, um, as we know, a pretty monumentous year for racial justice, at least um, bringing it to the forefront for a lot of people who um, perhaps haven't um, haven't really, you know, considered its impact um, on on society and even how they might be participating in. Um, some of the some of the activities and events that that don't benefit um, the broader society. So, um, you know, we just wanted to call out um, in this slipper some of the groups that have formed this year, including the Central Oregon Black Leaders Assembly, um, the Love Your Neighbor Project, um, the Fathers Group, which I might I apologize. They may have might have started before 2020, but they're a, a group of men of color who who are advocating for for their children and for their their role as fathers um, in the community. Um, And then we have student-focused town halls on racism, which started before 2020 as well, but continued in this year. Um, We also have um, the fact that Bend um, established a Human Rights and Equity Commission, which is now forming its members. Um, So we really made a lot of progress. there's still a lot of work to do, but I hope—and um, this is this one was kind of a stretch—but I hope that um, in the future, when people say Bend isn't so white, they will be shot down by by others who will say, "But wait, look you need to you need to realize that there are people of color here, and here's what they're doing, and here's how you can support their work."
0: Yeah, and I like the way you concluded it with. Um, now there's these organizations where you can take your frustrations and you can put them into action. And mm-hmm. um, if anything's changed, that's certainly what has changed is that you do have outlets now, whereas before, without the formation of these groups, there really wasn't there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I would say that, um, you know, no one group and no one person has invented this conversation around um, racial equity and justice and visibility in our community. But I think we have made a lot of progress um, over the last several years.
0: Let's talk about the boot for the um melee Pilot Butte and the charges that didn't stick. And um, that was, uh... It got press at the time, but I'm not sure how much that really penetrated the community or people understood how significant that was. Maybe you could elaborate.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, as journalists, we're signed up for like every press release option that we can possibly get. So we get press releases all the time. There's a lot of things that we that we see that we don't ever report on, um, but they come across our desks. What doesn't come across our desks almost ever, I don't believe I can think of another time, is police um, after an incident issuing a press release to say here are the charges that we believe all of these people based on our investigation should face after this incident typically what happens is they'll make an arrest um, and then they will say yes um this person was you know um this person is accused of these crimes and then the, the district attorney's office then will decide which, which charges they're actually going to be charged with, and you know, then typically we'll we'll hear, okay, this person is formally charged with this thing. Well, in this case, after this incident at Pilot Butte, Pilot Butte against where it was Black Lives Act, Black Lives Matter activists essentially against Trump supporters, in what started out as a fairly peaceful event, turned into someone pulling a gun, um, and some pepper spray and some other some other things happened. Um, following that, at the time, um, the police did not arrest the gentleman who pulled the gun, um, who was uh, accused of pulling the gun. Um, and, uh, soon after the, the police issued this press release that said, here's, here's 22 people that we think should, should be given charge or should be charged. Um, that's just really irregular. It's just really, really not, um, the way that it's done. In fact, that, um, you know, District Attorney John Hummel said during his six years in office, he'd never seen the police department inform the public as to what charges they think he should file. So it was right, a right. for him too. So that was kind of the, that was kind of the boot element of that um, being included in this, this week's editorial. Just, you know, um, it felt like the police were trying to force the DA's hand and he wasn't having it.
0: Yeah. It was, it was super unusual, super interesting. And it's, I think again, reflective of the times and how this really isn't something our community seen before. We haven't seen this level of, of friction. We haven't seen these kind of protests. We certainly haven't seen people pulling guns on protesters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have had protests on the corner downtown for many years and they've always been very peaceful people getting, you know, exercising their democratic rights. Um, but this was, this is new. This is definitely mm-hmm. a new, uh, and I think that a reflection of the kind of stress and uh, that not only the virus has put on, but national politics as well. I mean, people are, people are teed up.
1: Yeah, on the flip side, I think it's, you know, this year has empowered some folks in the community to speak out, Um, you know, more black and brown people having forming and forming coalitions and groups, and um, feeling empowered to um, share their perspectives. And so that's, I guess, the flip side of it is that, yeah, you're you're empowering some people who might, you know, incite violence. (laughs) But on the other side, you're empowering people who have not felt safe enough to speak about their experiences until now.
0: Let's shift over to uh, this one. We wrote kind of double uh, editorials on because it came on the heels pretty quickly, but the Deschutes (laughs) County's double jeopardy pot opt out. Uh, Maybe talk about what that issue was.
1: Okay, so you know, when when voters in Oregon legalized marijuana uh, back in 2015, each county had the ability to um, decide on its own whether or not they would allow marijuana um growing and selling in their counties. Um we've had a we've had a storied history in Deschutes County, but essentially uh, there was there we opted in. Um, and so that's why you see you see Bend and and each city also was able to opt in. So that's why you see Deschutes County um, itself, you can see grows, but Redmond, you don't see, um, you don't see dispensaries, Bend you do. Bend said yes, Redmond said no, Deschutes County said, yes, we want farms. Um, And then uh, the current Deschutes County commissioners, decided that they were hearing a lot of negative feedback from, uh, from rural, rural folks about um, farms near their, near their homes. So they decided this year to put something on the ballot um, to essentially stop. They had already through, um, through some of their actions um, basically made it so there was no new farms being allowed. Um, and then they put it to the voters in a really weird way that even confused us, to be honest. Um, The language of the measure asking whether um, Deschutes County should continue to allow, or should continue to ban um, new grows, it just was confusing. Yeah, it was a yes
0: means no, no means yes. Right, and so,
1: you know, it was, we had people asking us because we, you know, we were confused as well. and in the end, um, voters, you know, it came out that now there are no new grows allowed in Deschutes County. But as a consequence, um, we also do not uh, qualify for any of the state marijuana tax money.
0: Um, yeah, there was. That a- doesn't
1: even include. You know, you have you have um, you have the dispensaries collecting tax. Um, they're collecting some tax on behalf of the city. And I believe that city money will still flow to the city. Um, but the state funds, the state tax collected in even in Deschutes County will not benefit Deschutes County. And that's,
0: yeah, as I understand it, originally when the measure passed at the state level, there was a poison pill in there intended to help counties navigate around what could be and what could not be done with regard to this legislation. And, um, our county decided to step over that line and begin to regulate things that statewide voters wanted enacted. And so we're being punished, essentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, and as we pointed out, um, you know, in their in our editorial that we did last week, um, it, somehow in the midst of all of all of this um, stuff that's happened in this administration, we did see hemp become federally legal. So you have outdoor hemp farms who that are you know that are completely legal under any any state or federal law out there in the rural county who are going to continue growing, but meanwhile, the ones that are indoor and have to be heavy, heavily regulated to grow the stuff that's psychotropic um, are, are not allowed. So, you know, we kind of pointed out that. Um, We're not sure that everyone understands that distinction um, because I look at those two plants, the one that's, that's CBD based and the one that's CHC based. I can't tell the difference.
0: No, no. Um, I remember what, if you bring anybody into, into that drive between bend and sisters Mm -hmm. who's visiting and you point over to those fields, they freak out. It's it's a, it's a fun little tourist thing to do with your family members is take them to see the hemp grow and Mm -hmm. uh, blow their mind. But uh, yeah. And the thing I think it was good that we pointed out is that we elect county uh, commissioners to be informed about these decisions. I think, um, I know nobody within our office was aware that passing that measure was going to um, cut the funding off, but the information was there. And if it, I think if that had been in the voters pamphlet or even something that was discussed prior to it getting on the voters pamphlet, it would have been a non-starter, no county. uh, and, And maybe this is something that needs to be you know, further researched is, did they know, you know, did the county commissioners know prior to putting that on the ballot that we'd lose all that funding and did they go ahead with it anyways? I'm very curious about that.
1: Yeah. It's certainly a question that I wish I would have asked. Um, uh, You know, could have, should have, would have.
0: Yeah. It's not been on the radar of, you know, I I don't think anybody would have anticipated, but now um, it's certainly something that will motivate another, ballot measure we're going to see it again we're going to have to see it again it's way too much money
1: mm-hmm.
0: did we did we figure out how much money that was uh, in general that based we're losing?
1: on um last year's it'll be in the hundreds of thousands yeah i've lost tax, tax revenue
0: it's incredible It's incredible um, what other ones do we have on our list here uh how about failure to achieve in-person instruction for all students
1: oh man this is you know you talk about the evolution of the people's thoughts and feelings about the pandemic and this is one that we're really starting to see a pretty significant um shift and this is and and i'm not surprised but um locally and statewide um just to realizing the effects that this is having on our kids. Um, And so as we pointed out, you know, I I have to find it ironic that I can go still shop for curtains and shoes and makeup at Target, but I I can't send my child to school. Um, And, you know, there's been, um, there is quite a significant um, movement around this. Um, And we, we, as an editorial board took the position that, this was a failure of creativity and leadership on the on the part of state and local leaders to not be able to figure this out. We had several months of relative calm, September, October. I mean, some folks even believed that maybe we should have had kids going to school throughout the summer when we were able to do. Um, we're, we're, we're able, oh, yeah. creative perspective, For sure. to you know, to send kids to school outdoors um and so there's just a lot of you know a lot of activity around this right now we're seeing some shifts um the governor has um has now as of um january 1st made it possible for districts to decide on their own whether or not they um think that they're ready for um to send kids back to school in person safely um but you know it's a lot a lot of lost time and as someone who has Um, very young kids in in my life not my own um, I have seen the effects this is this has had Um, and yes I understand that I understand and I empathize with the teachers and the and the administrators and the folks who have been trying to figure this out and do their best Um, but I I think it's it it, you know we we I believe are justified in giving a boot for their failure to be creative in this realm.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed lately is, I mean, you certainly can feel the pressure. Um, I think it's uh, as we've, we've editorialized all along during this thing, there there just simply has not been enough um, really public discussion regarding the impacts that are on the other side of the spectrum from the pandemic that, you know, we've, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to roll out now, but it's all stuff that people knew pretty clearly. You're seeing incredible rise in suicide rate, opium addiction, homelessness, mental health crises. And this isn't just kind of the, these superficial bumps, like, oh, well, we're seeing some, it's a, it's a pretty steep incline. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's those kind of like give and takes, and that, we're not, we don't hear, we hear a lot about safety and, and certainly, um, you know, we're in a serious time, but uh, having a more robust discussion, I see that. I saw that when uh, a lot of local elected officials signed the letter and sent it to Governor Brown to, to make the changes, to push her to make mm-hmm. the um, moves. And I think now it's going to be incumbent on those same officials to continue to push for what this looks like as we roll out.
1: Yeah, one of the most troubling things about it that when I started thinking about it, um, and I started thinking about it because some folks were asking, some community members were asking me questions based on me, you know, being in the news um, about them hearing that some kids had gone back to school and some hadn't. Well, the, you know, what has happened is um, even in our own district and some other districts, some schools, individual schools have been able to send some kids back in on a very limited basis, but even on a limited basis, that means that some students in our district are able to access things that they need. They're, they're able to access resources. They're, you know, able to interact um, and do the things that they need to do to to learn most effectively, while others have not. Um, and um, that's troubling, you know, that that we have so much inequity, even within one district um, that, um, that, you know, there probably should have been a lot more conversation around that.
0: Yeah, and about what it, you know, and I think that's where the creativity um, part comes in is that we certainly have been able to figure out ways to, like you said, continue shopping. You know, what are some of the parameters? What are some of the buildings that could have been used or can be used? and and if we can't send everybody back, is there a way to get you know some of these at-risk students, students who do need you know mental health services or or food? Um, how can we keep them connected so that um, they don't drop off? Which is what I think we're you're going to see when the yeah. I mean, and,
1: you know, we're talking about you're talking about opioid increases. You're talking about um, overdoses and mental health. Those are things that are being reported right now because those people are are then put into a place where they are, they're able, those things are able to be reported. They go to a hospital, they go to a clinic, they see a mental wow. health professional.
0: Good point.
1: Um, what I think about is the children, the youth who, whose troubles are not being reported, who, who, you know, there's a reason that teachers and, um, and educators and, and people in schools are um, mandatory reporters. Um, it's because um, they find things in schools that are happening to kids Um, and I really have a hard time believing they're going to just you know uncover the same issues that they might uncover in a school that they would or that you know that they would they wouldn't uncover the same thing on zoom that they might in person
0: absolutely Um, so we're we're getting to the end of our podcast here um any any last thoughts on uh coverage or what 2021 is going to look like from your perspective
1: well, I'm just really, in, really, like I said in my editor's note, really proud of the work that our team has done. We, you know, like every other business and every other institution in this world, I suppose, um, we've struggled and we've had, you know, we've had to overcome challenges this year. And um, just to see the work that we've done um, compiled in that way, it shows me that we're, you know, we're not spinning against the wind. Um, we, are, we have been able to serve our community, Um, We have been able to bring some, some kind of knowledge and um, understanding and enlightenment um, throughout this whole time. And so that's just, that's a, that's a good feeling. Um, In 2021, I will not lie and say that I'm not looking, that I'm not looking forward to doing a summer music issue. I'm looking forward to doing, uh, you know, some of the fun stuff that really got that yeah. really got laid by the wayside this year. Um, just looking at our web numbers, um, people wanted news this year. They just really did. That's what they wanted. They they ate up the breaking news. They you know they just they they subscribed to our Cascades Reader. You know they they read it faithfully just so they could be um, getting that stuff. But you know it'll be fun to to talk about how that, you know, how it's gonna feel for that musician to hit the stage for the first time or um, for, you know, a restaurant tour to see a full dining room um, full of happy people. Um, and I hope that we can do that this year. I hope we can do that. and. Um, and at the same time, keep tackling the issues that um, that we have. Um, our housing crisis is not going to go away. As we've seen, um, it's only going to get worse. Um, our homelessness issues are going to probably be, um, you know, continue to be a, a major issue as um, as housing prices continue to suffer, as people continue to be um, suffering from the impacts of the unemployment crisis, um, and of course, the mental health. Um, stuff is is huge and so um first thing in 2021 we will be tackling some some topics around mental health
0: yeah i think i one of the things i'm struck by uh i think for 2021 is because there has been this enormous number of people moving here and you really have not seen them. Again, mm-hmm. we we sit here on Bond Street and it's it's pretty quiet. And I always ask the question, you know, there's thousands of people that since March to today have moved here. They've gone into their homes. They've been quarantined. Um, they don't get out much. Nobody gets out much. Uh, and I, I think it's there's going to be a pretty radical adjustment for Bend, Oregon mm-hmm. in, in particular when the quarantine is lifted, what it looks like when all these people come out. A lot of these, um, a lot of facilities, a lot of uh, restaurants and stuff are going to be overwhelmed. There's going to be massive lines. There's going to be, you're going to feel what it it truly is like to live in a Zoom town. Right now we're enjoying all the benefits to uh, high retail sales and, and realtors are doing well and all the people associated with industry. But those people are here for good. And yeah. they brought with them their politics, their preferences for culture. Um, and that's all been forestalled. It hasn't rolled out slowly. So you're going to see a little impact, I think from that. in Yeah, that's,
1: that's definitely as a journalist, something that's really interesting to me. And, you know, I've been thinking about those people, um, a lot, um, and we rolled out a new a new little feature in the paper called "If You're New Here." Of course, longtime locals might grumble, but you know this is <laughs> <laughs> this is our um, this is our stab at helping you know educate, um, show people what the vibe is like, give them some information that they really want to know. Um, so you know we're tackling pretty light topics like you know ice skating and snow parks right now, um, but there might come an opportunity to. Let's do one about crosswalks. What is it like? You know, what what? How do we deal with pedestrians um, as drivers in Oregon? Things like that. That you know that that the the longtime locals complain about the newbies, right? They, right. they, they don't stop for pedestrians. Yeah. Stuff like that. So so it's our goal to kind of you know educate and also. Um, you know, bring them along to what it's like to be, what it's like to be an Oregonian, and that's gonna be a fun thing. I also just look forward to, um, yeah, to the energy and new ideas that some of those folks are gonna bring and are bringing yeah. already, and they're just back in the shadows. So, um, you know, our paper is, um, is a place, if you're, from a, if you're from an urban community, almost anywhere in the world, anywhere in the US, and sometimes in the world too, you know what, you know what papers like ours do um our calendar is always a big piece of what we do and so they pick those papers up in you know their cities they know that they're gonna that that type of paper is going to bring them that same vibe um here as well so uh so i think we're well positioned to to you know to welcome them in to show them the way um some might say they should go back to where they came from but they're here. Let's, you know, like everything, everything that exists in the world, it's, you can either reject it or accept it and say, how do we, how do we make the most of this? How do we, um, how do we elevate instead of, you know, aggravate?
0: (laughs) Well, that's going to conclude our podcast. This would be a good place for us to just, as we part, uh, send a, a shout out to people. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the paper and the, and the coverage we do, you can become a source insider, you get great perks for uh, being an insider, and your, your donation helps us continue to do all the important and fun things that, that we do here, and um, we desperately need you during these times and um, and are wishing everyone a better 2021 as we as we head out. So That's right. Thanks. Thanks, Thank for, thanks
1: to all you readers out there.